0: Well, time for us to have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer on this Friday morning. Good morning, Vaughn.
1: Hey, good morning, Simi. And I'm looking at the headline in my hometown newspaper here in Victoria, and it is, what a body blow, the second year in a row cancellation of the cruise ship season.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about that with Walt Judas. Uh, No cruise ships until at least February of 2022, according to Transport Canada, Man, the number that he gave me was staggering, though, that for every cruise ship that stops, that's a $3 million economic spinoff that's lost.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Victoria is a smaller community, and I think the the, the cancellation hits downtown Victoria even harder than it probably hits Vancouver. We had, you know, last year when it was canceled, it was 300 visits um, each ship, uh, American tourists mostly, uh, they come ashore. They go through downtown. They they shop. They have dinner. They buy cigars. If they can yeah. <laughs> Cuban cigars. There's a store in downtown Victoria. I think that's its mainstay of its income, right? And uh, you know, there's I think almost a million visitors. So they calculated the impact last year. Cancellation at over $100 million. I'm looking in the Victoria Times columnist this morning, Simeon, I'm seeing business people here saying, you know, they were clinging with their fingernails, hoping that, and the Prime Minister said everyone's going to be vaccinated by September, so they were kind of hoping they would get half a season. They're not getting any season for the second year in a row, and I think. Victoria, this has just staggered, this community.
0: I think it really has, yeah, this tourism situation. And then you wonder, like, even in the fall, do you think a lot of people would even be ready to start traveling again?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, that's... I I, I look at this stuff online all the time. Uh, I see, uh, you know, I think the Seattle Times uh, recently asked its readers, uh, what are you looking forward to the most when this is over, right? And I mean hugging my daughter is high on my list cuz I yeah. haven't seen her once since March but I think an awful lot of people are saying well you know uh, they've got a long list of stuff they wanted to do in terms of travel and I think travel is going to revive but the you're right the problem is are you going to feel safe enough to make reservations for anything until you're sure um knowing that it can be difficult to get money back um for travel and so you know i think the lingering effects here are long I, i'm not saying they shouldn't be i think we when it's all over we may say if we'd cracked down sooner the way the australians did right. and shut down sooner we might have got out of this sooner but you know recriminations for later right now i just think it's it's further evidence that we still have a long, long way to go in terms of getting over this.
0: We do. Okay, let's talk about what we heard yesterday when it comes to education in this province. Uh, A tweak, I guess you would call it. Is it a big tweak?
1: Well, I think it's a significant tweak, but it's not you know, uh, a blanket mask mandate. And one of the things I was struck by, and I thought it was a very good briefing by the new education minister, uh, Jennifer Whiteside, and by Dr. Henry, and and it emphasized the complexity. And so, you know, what you've got is now, as I read it, Changes in the mask mandate for three kinds of schools. So for high schools, um, they've increased the occasions when students should be wearing masks, but they're still not required to wear them when they're working at their desks, uh, when they're at their workstations, if there are barriers separating them. Uh, Elementary schools... The tweak there is that the guideline used to be that masks were not recommended for elementary school students. That's been changed to not required, which means that you, you know, parents and schools can choose to encourage the wearing of masks. Middle schools. This one jumped out at me just as how complicated the system is. So, for we, some school districts, don't have middle schools. Where there are middle schools, um, grade 6 and 7 will, be, will get, have the same guidelines as high school. But in some school districts, grade 6 and 7 are in elementary schools. Yeah. So those, the guidelines are different. And, oh. Yeah, I can see people go, oh God, you know, why is it so complicated? Well, it is complicated, and I think that's what came through. The other thing that came through very strongly yesterday is that Dr. Bonnie Henry is not persuaded that a mask mandate mandatory blanket is required she said again that she is only aware of one cluster in uh, a school that for the most part uh, the virus is not being spread among students in the classroom and teachers
0: and I don't understand
1: also, that. Um, I don't understand that to me. it's a bit of an interesting kind of throat clearing yesterday. She said, you know, we do rely on educators and administrators to set a good example on oh. that. So Dr. Bonnie Henry's watching. I,
0: I guess what I don't understand about that is, it, okay, why even the not recommended? Because if it makes people feel better, then just let them wear it if they want to.
1: Yeah, well, the not recommended thing related back to... Um, dr bonnie henry's concerns about uh, one um, first of all, the virus isn 't spreading among younger children two uh, concerns about shaming of younger younger children on this, and that that 's still an issue in the school system. I think we certainly heard questions about it yesterday, and I think also um, the feeling that it 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 would be tough to police in elementary school, so that 's where that came from. Um, That's the first time, by the way, I've sort of heard the new education minister in action on a really controversial issue. I don't know if you listened to her. I thought she did a pretty good job for a new minister. Um, You know, she comes from a tough union. I mean, you think about the BCTF on this, and of course, they're not, you know, they're still... Complaining, but Jennifer Whiteside was the secretary business manager for the hospital employees union. Um, I've been covering that union for a long time, and it's not a pushover. So, you know, she's she's able to handle this. I think in a, perhaps in a way that her predecessor Rob Fleming uh, is not. Not quite as experienced at, at dealing with hardline trade unions. Well uh, Whiteside uh, speaks with a fair amount of authority on this issue. Um, it's controversial, but I thought she handled herself pretty well for as yeah. I said, the first her first turn in the spotlight on a really tough issue.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, and also more funding I guess for for yeah. cleaning and PPE and that kind of thing.
1: You know, that's a very good point, Simeon. and I was thinking about this. I was talking to Keith Baldry yesterday afternoon, and we were both going. I remember a day when the news that the government was putting another $120 million into the education system (laughs) would be the headline, right? It's almost an afterthought. Afterthought, It's huge. Like, this is a huge amount of money. Again, it doubles the amount that they, they put in last year, and it's all there for Everything from buying cleaning supplies to doing more cleaning to hire custodians. Yes. Uh, we're promised now rapid response teams in the education system. Um, okay. You know, it's coming on. And, and one thing, two numbers that jumped out at me as well, Simeon, I just note them Was the um, Stephanie Higginson, the head of the School Trustees Association. She said there's 90 days left in the school year. And 90% of our students are back in class. I think what you're seeing there is the system is going to hang on till June. Yes. Hope that when the schools reopen in the fall, um, you know, that we can start to return yeah. to normal.
0: So true, Vaughn. Thank you. Bye-bye, Sim.